It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. and doing nothing more than functioning on a large amount of chocolate. All right, let's get a lot of stuff going on here today. Let's go ahead and jump right in it with our need-to-know news. Here's your need-to-know news. All right, well, Purdue women's basketball making moves here. They have hired two, two new names to work on that staff. First off, Mark Stevens comes on to the staff as an assistant coach slash recruiting coordinator. According to Purdue, over his career, that has included seven years as a collegiate assistant and three as a high school head coach in Indianapolis, as well as more than a decade in the AAU ranks. Stevens has mentored seven all-conference selections, 27 academic all-conference honorees in college. His experience in Indiana and throughout the Midwest have shown that he is a dynamic recruiter, while his on-court success has led to several of his players to high-level awards. Prior to his arrival in West Lafayette, he has uh, spent four years in Toledo. Um, Also, uh, the Rockets, you know why he was there, 84-40, and won the MAC regular season championship, won tournament title, and a pair of postseason appearances. Uh, Stevens and the Rockets made history this year. Toledo finished with a program record 29 wins. His first NCAA tournament victory since 96. That's not the only name. Kelly Kamara. Welcome back. Anytime you can get somebody from the 99 championship team back in the program, you'll love it. Uh, she has spent the last two seasons on staff at Marquette. Helped the Boilermakers to a 99 NCAA championship runner-up at 01. Three-time All-Big Ten selection. The 2001 NCAA Mid-East Regional Most Outstanding Player. And the 2002 Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, she'd been on Marquette's coaching staff following five years at Vanderbilt with Stephanie White. She is 22nd in program history with 1,266 career points, 17th in free throws made, 12th in assists, 5th in steals, 10th in games played, 17th in games started. That is a good name and a great player to have back around the program. Baseball coming up short in their series finale against Minnesota, 9-3. The final Golden Gophers able to hold off Purdue from the sweep. Thanks largely to a six-run bottom in the first inning. Mike Bolton Jr. reached base safe twice and uh, stole second twice. So that is his 60th career steal. He became just the fourth player in program history to reach that benchmark. He has 15 steals this season, now nine away from the all-time record of uh, 70. Boilermakers will uh, be back at it. You can see him in action on Tuesday. Uh, it's a six-game homestand. They start with a midweek rematch versus Indiana State. First pitch at Alexander Field, 6 p.m. Softball, uh, the Boilermakers fall 5-1 to to Wisconsin yesterday. Purdue 
We'll continue at homestand this week on Wednesday. SIUE is in town. Michigan Friday through Sunday. A lot of great promotions uh, this weekend for both the, both the Bark and the Park games are this weekend as well, uh, which are always big fan favorites. The WNBA draft is tonight. The Indiana Fever hold the number one overall pick, assuming that it will be Aaliyah Boston of South Carolina. It's the sixth consecutive trip to the lottery for the Fever. And now finally, Indiana's gotten the top pick. Now Boston helped lead the Gamecocks to the 2022 championship. 129-9 and in her four years at South Carolina. Fun fact about the uh, Indiana Fever, every game in the playoffs that they have ever won had Tamika Catchings on the team, who retired in 2016. Eight seasons with the Fever. Uh, in the eight seasons, the Fever have played without Catchings, including 2001 when she was out with the uh, ACL. The team has never won even 40% of its games. Good Lord. Last week of the NHL, three games remain for your Blackhawks, including a nice matchup at home against the Wild. Chicago currently tied at 58 points with Columbus at the very bottom of the NHL standings. Uh, both teams with three games remaining as the race to the bottom continues. Chicago currently holds the tiebreaker, unfortunately, though. They have one more win in regulation. Hawks will uh, head to Pittsburgh tomorrow, and they'll come home to take on Philadelphia on Thursday. The Philadelphia one's probably going to be the closest, but... You know, watch Pittsburgh blow it. Anyway, Columbus is in Philly tomorrow, and they'll be at home for Pittsburgh and Buffalo uh, on Friday. Sox and Twins kicked off today's baseball slate. Southsiders lost one nothing yesterday in Pittsburgh. Saw an ugly collision at home plate with O'Neill Cruz and Sebi Zavala, where Cruz fractured his ankle. He had surgery this morning. Weird half slide. Kind of looked like he made the decision late to make the slide, and what he did, it just... I don't know. He made bad contact with Zavala's leg. Um, bench is cleared for the time being, but uh, yeah, he's going to be out for four months. Is uh, Cruz? It looks like Zavala's okay. Kopech looked good. Two hits, five Ks, and in six innings, uh, but they still come up one short. They are currently in action with the Twins, and uh, we're down just one nothing going into the top here. Dylan Cease battled his way out of a uh, bases loaded jam at the uh, bottom of the third. Now four to one. Uh, the White Sox are uh, in the lead right now. I did not see who got the fourth one, but uh, Alberto, center, uh, homer to uh, left center, Gavin Sheets and Grandal scored. I haven't gotten the fourth one here yet, but uh, I'll keep you updated because I've been reading this stuff. Dylan Cease through three, has given up two hits, one uh, run. It was not earned, though, four strikeouts uh, for him. Could use the rebound here. That's for sure. Cubs, meanwhile, well, uh, they uh, came up uh, one game short of a sweep, losing to the Rangers yesterday, 8-2. to two. James Tyen with the five-inning performance, six hits, four earned, seven strikeouts. Edwin Rios with the home run uh, that scored the two runs for the Cubs. It'll be a uh, oh, quick little note about uh, the Cubs, by the way. Kyle Hendricks is slated to throw a live batting practice again at the team's facility in Arizona on Monday. He hasn't hit a major league mound since July the 5th. Seiya Suzuki and uh, Brandon Hughes were set for additional rehab appearances at Iowa. Uh, it'll be uh, Drew Smiley on the mound today, taking on Luis Castillo. 
uh, at Wrigley Field when they host Seattle. Bulls into a play-in uh, tournament spot. They're going to head to Toronto on Wednesday. Meanwhile, the Pacers season is over. They had an exciting win against the Knicks yesterday, 141-136. Indianapolis hit 19 three-pointers. That win cost the franchise an extra 10% chance to the number one overall pick in the lottery. There you go. I think I got it all. It's uh, been a jam-packed weekend, but that is your need-to-know news. All right. Masters yesterday. Tell you what, speed. I, I said speed on Wednesday, um, and he about clawed it out there. He looked good on uh, that final day, but uh, still a respectable finish. Uh, let's get back at it here. Uh, I like to use my friends over at DraftKings. They're uh, super awesome. Uh, let's see here. What do we like today? Well, first off, they'll give you uh, an NHL no sweat same game parlay bet. I have not dove into that. There's also a no sweat same game parlay uh, every day throughout the NBA playoffs for you. So if you're into your NBA stuff, boom. You also get up to 100% boost on a uh, MLB same game parlay for every leg added. Let me tell you, if you are going to use that, we want to see you use that I be, I would say in the Angels and Nationals. We'll get into that one in a minute. First, we're going to go Farmer Valdez tonight. Over seven and a half strikeouts against the Pirates. High number? Yes. But no one struck out more to lefties last season than the Pittsburgh Pirates. One of their better hitters, one of their best hitters against lefties was O'Neill Cruz. And he is done. He is out. Valdez has hit this number in four of his last five. In fact, he's gotten like nine, 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 and uh, four. The one game he didn't do that against the White Sox. And you know the White Sox traditionally hit lefties pretty darn well. So we're going to go with Valdez and over the seven and a half strikeouts. Uh, we also want to look for places for you to use that um, that boost. One of the places I feel like you should want to use that boost should be in Anaheim tonight. All right? You got Patrick Corbin on the mound who is just absolutely, absolutely horrible. Mike Trout hits 330 at home last season. Mike Trout last season, 310. Against lefties. Corbin has given up 17 hits and 10 runs in his first two starts. See where we're going with this? So I'm on Mike Trout. And really, just looking at how bad Corbin's numbers are, you should be looking at just about everybody that hits for the Angels. So if you're looking to add legs and you're looking to add guys that like get hits, that's probably a good place to start. Another game you could do that in, and I love Paul Goldschmidt tonight um, against uh, German Marquez. They're in Colorado, so you know how the ball likes to carry. Goldschmidt uh, is 425 lifetime against Marquez, four homers and four doubles in 46 plate appearances. Marquez has uh, not been great early on in the season, already up to a 4.76 ERA. 
He's given up at least two runs in each game that he has pitched in so far, two and four. Gave up three homers on the road to the Dodgers in his last appearance. You'll love to see that. He had a 6-7 ERA at home last season. So yeah, uh, that's another place I think you want to target. Like I said, Goldie has been fantastic against him. Arenado actually has faced him 12 times and only has two hits, which is a little bit shocking. Uh, Brandon Donovan, the leadoff, is two for five career against him. So uh, that's another place. But to be honest with you, I'd much rather use it against Corbin than I would in Colorado. But I, I do like, uh, I really do like Goldie out there, uh, Paul Goldschmidt. In Colorado, he hits well out there. And then uh, Corey Seager is batting 381 over Zank Granke in 28 plate appearances. He's also slugging 905. So three guys you want to put on your card here tonight, I think. Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, Corey Seager are all guys you're going to want to look for for either a, a hits parlay, a over one and a half bases parlay, Um I don't know if I go so far as uh, going those with homers, but I, I I am holding a Mike Trout homer card tonight. I might have to pair Mike Trout and Goldschmidt. I feel like I could probably do both those guys. So those are the plays tonight. That's what we like. I wish I had an NHL play for you for the boost, but uh, I just uh, I have not had a chance to uh, get into my NHL stuff tonight. But I got you some baseball stuff. All right, we're going to take a break. Hang tight. When we come back, uh, we've got more of the Hammer Down Show next on 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Hammer. And we're back here on the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Jared just lives with you. The Hammerhead Hotline always open for you to text at 765-447-4080. A, um, well, uh, an interesting weekend here for Purdue basketball and men's basketball as uh, they get a guard out of the portal. Lance Jones, Saluki. And you felt like just going through some of the some of the um, message boards with this. Some folks were excited. Some folks uh, had to throw some cold water on it because of you know three-point shooting ability. I watched a lot of clips here. I know a lot of the sites posted stuff. The thing that the thing that stands out to me, he does seem to have a good first step and a lot of explosiveness and not a lot of fear. Boy, I love the fact that this, he just, just he doesn't look scared ever. At least from what I watched. Doesn't look scared on the offensive end, taking it to the hole. Doesn't look scared, ISO defense. He's got a lot of confidence and quickness to him. And I, I think it's an oversimplification to assess what happened with Purdue and just say, well, you know, uh, we, we need a three-point shooter. We just had a three-point shooter. Well, it, it, there's also this, you know, if we just had a Carson Edwards type guy, we just got a guy on the portal that just took over, you know, like that just grows on trees. I think it's, uh, it seems like a ridiculous argument. 
I don't know that there was going to be a, one player that's going to encapsulate everything that some of these fans want at guard and fixes it, and, and it, it works. Just don't don't see that. And Cryer's going to Houston. That was the top of the list. He's going to Houston. Yet here, and Brian Uber did a great job pointing this out, last year this took us another seven weeks to get figured out. Now Purdue went out there and, and got a guy. Got its right guy. And I like it because I think it does address that dribble penetration that you just, quite frankly, didn't have much of outside of Braden Smith. You can have that guy that would really attack off the dribble and try to take it all the way to the rack. But now you've brought in somebody, I think, that gives you a little bit of that. Uh, Colvin's coming in. Uh, Cam Heidi's coming off the bench. Now all of a sudden you've got some athleticism on that perimeter. Would I like for Lance Jones to shoht the three-pointer at like a 38, 40% clip? Absolutely. That'd be great. But also, I, I don't know how much of that you're going to be asking him to do. And the fact that now you've got to be more honest with what he can do uh, and, and distribute, and I believe that's going to help out your three-point shooting as well. Because now you just can't sag back here and say, hey, we'll give you the three. And I think that takes a little bit of pressure off a shooter. Look, I know it's nice to have that wide-open three every once in a while, but I think there's just something different about it when you have a wide-open three versus they're giving you the wide-open three because they don't think you can hit it. When that gets in your mind there, I think that can wreak some havoc. I think this is good. A lot of the early reviews tell us it's, he's a Purdue type of guy. I said, I feel like he adds a, a, a dimension that you did not have on this team last year. It's a guy with experience, and I just don't know that you were going to be able to go out there and find one person that encapsulates everything you want. And there's always an opportunity then for, you know, to, to bring in somebody else as well that maybe is just a three-point sharpshooter. Maybe that happens. But, I mean, you, you look at the per 40 numbers, Golden Black had up for shooting from three. I, I get I get where you wish he would be a little bit better. But I guess what I'm going to ask you here is, are you going to be able to get that guy that encapsulates everything? Because, you know, this is the free agent portal market now. We are outgunned when it comes to that money cannon. It, we, we just are. That's the reality of the situation. Now, Matt Painter last year spent all that time on Nigel Pack, was patient on Nigel Pack, thought that we had Nigel Pack. And then we couldn't spend the money to get Nigel Pack, didn't have it. This year, he went out there and he found the guy that he knew he can get and that addressed some areas of need. And he got it done early. Make no mistake about it, that, that, that's big. 
I don't want to disregard David Jenkins or anything that he's done. But you got the sense that, you know, Purdue wanted a couple of different guys before they got down to him and couldn't do it. This year, Matt Painter tied this up a whole lot earlier. So we'll see. Um, I mean, I'm intrigued. I like the defensive side of the ball. I like what he provides. He looks like a type of guy that can provide you with a spark. Type of guy that can thread you a couple of steals in critical junctures and take the top off the arena. He just seems like a, a... it's a grimy in the trenches type of player. That's identity. I don't know that our guard unit this year really had a, a ton of identity. And I think his defensive practice, too, is going to do nothing but strengthen guys like Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith. I like this. Again, I get how there's going to be some people who are going to freak out because he's not some kind of sniper from three. I choose to tend to look at all the other good stuff that he's going to do. Sophomore year, he shot, what, 42%. 28% this season. Maybe if you're not asking him to do that in a primary role, that this gets a little bit easier. We'll see. I think this is a good pickup. I like him. He seems like a Purdue guy. I've I've heard numbers for programs and what some of these guys make. Sure, sure as heck, we saw what happened with Nigel Pack last year. It's $800,000. Now, IU's about to get that uh, big kid from Oregon. We'll see what we find out what gets signed over there from collectives. My point is this: you, you got a what you think is a good Purdue guy who addresses uh, a lot of does address every need, but addresses a lot of needs that you needed from this team. Provides you with some great defense, and that horse is in the barn now. Ahead of summer, I mean that's I, I call me crazy. I feel like that's good news, and I just don't understand some people that want to throw again. The cold water on it because because he's he's not Mister Everything. I don't know there really is a Mister Everything at guard that you needed that was even out there to begin with, and the guys that were going to be the closest were going to get you were going to get outspent for. That's the way the world works now, you know. We had to work in that new norm. I think the staff did a good job at that so far. We'll wait and see. It's early, but I don't hate it. We got to take another break here. We'll come back. We'll check in on that sock score and stuff and more as uh, the Hammer Down Show rolls on. Back on the Hammer Down Show, uh, keeping an eye out on the White Sox and uh, Minnesota. They're up there in the Twin Cities, four to two right now. Uh, the Sox still lead this one in the bottom of the fifth. As uh, there's one out, I feel bad. I just had the. Um, just have the box score up here because uh, really, you, you would hope that Dylan Cease would be 
in a in fine form today. Four innings, four strikeouts, two walks. He did not get charged with the first run that he gave up. He did get charged with the second one. So yeah, four to third, three hits, one earned, four strikeouts for Cease. I was hoping for a little bit better. Them losing the two out of three over the weekend uh, in Pittsburgh is a little bit disheartening. They said at four and six. Uh, you want to be strong in this one, the series against the Twins, who are six and three, sit on top of the Central. You know, it's probably another three team race again between them, Cleveland, and uh, Minnesota. So you want to pick up those W's here. It's It's not. It's not panic time for me and the White Sox just yet. Things that, I mean, there are some things that do scare me uh, early on when it comes to the Southsiders. They've given up 65 runs over 11 games. Seems a little dangerous. Uh, I don't think anybody's given up more hits than the Chicago White Sox this season. I mean, the opposing batting average is 275. That's fourth worst. I'm a little concerned about the pitching. Hitting hasn't been too bad. I mean, 11 homers puts them, you know, in 11th. That's not not terrible. I think they're middle of the pack in strikeouts. Fifth in the league in RBIs. Average batting 289. Putting up runs, they're just not stopping anybody. But this is a big series for them. Get off on the right foot. If they can do that and, and send Minnesota a message early, uh, I'm not too worried. But I'm definitely watching the pitching because it, it should be better than what it is. You know, Cease is good. And they've got some names in that rotation that just aren't really delivering, I think, for you right now. And that's a problem. Lance Lynn, I feel... I need more out of him. Ten earned in two appearances, not great. Kopech's got eight runs given up over ten innings. Not great. Clevenger has been a little bit of a surprise. I mean, he's 2-0. Got three, four, eight ERAs. Eh. Not a huge strikeout guy, but he's giving you two W's. None more impressive than that uh, opening game that he had uh, down in Houston. 
It was five innings and allowed three hits. He kind of got bailed out a little bit in Pittsburgh because they put up 11 runs. Gave up four and only struck out one. Should strike out more against a, a Pittsburgh team that was, what, about three or four strikeouts last season? Hasn't yielded a homer yet either. But you, you, need, you need a little bit of step up with the White Sox when it comes to the pitching. You know, as for the Cubs, they're kind of the antithesis here. The power is just not there for this ball club right now. Only three teams, the Guardians, the Tigers, and the Nationals, have fewer home runs than the Chicago Cubs. Is that the end-all, be-all? Absolutely not. Is that company that you want to be hanging around with, though? No. No. Not at all. Now they've only gotten, what, eight games in? Some of those teams have gotten like nine and ten. Okay, I'll give them a little bit of slack. They're hitting 275 as a ball club. The strikeout numbers aren't, aren't bad at all. Now they said third. It's just, I am a little, yeah, I am a little bit of concerned about. You know, the lack of dingers. But maybe that will come. You know, it's early. You're talking about playing uh, several of those games at Wrigley with the wind blowing in. That's not easy. Once that wind blowing in gets in the double digits, I mean, the run rates go down. That's well documented in the gambling community. Now, meanwhile, I, I think the uh, the pitching for Chicago has been... Pretty good. Opponents are hitting 233. That's top 10 for you in the league. I mean, the earned runs are 33. That's sixth in the league. You're not in a terrible position with 78 strikeouts in the middle of the pack, but then again, so most of these other teams have got a, a couple of more games on you. So let's just say, you know, I give you another, what, 12 over a couple of games, a few games here. 15, I mean, that would now put you all the way up into the top 10 in strikeouts. No, I, I think they've been doing a, a tremendous job. Now, Stroman's great out of the gate. I don't know about you, but I see Kyle Hendricks kind of going through the rehab, and I ask myself, do I do I want him back? While the professor was great early, I, he's he's getting up there. I don't know if he's going to, you know, he doesn't have a full season, I think, in him. If he comes in, you know, in a month or two, and maybe you can get through the some of the dog days with him, but I don't know that he's going to be a down-the-stretch type guy. I just don't. But I think as a Cubs fan, yeah, I mean, you love what you've gotten out of Stroman so far. I mean, he's won both the games, hasn't given up an earned run yet. Tyon was that guy that you brought in to be that uh, 
into that bottom there and uh, end of the rotation and 0-2, 13 hits in nine innings, seven runs in nine innings is not great. He is giving you a strikeout an inning, which isn't terrible, but you know, clearly Stroman and Steele, th- th- there's the line right there. Those two guys, fantastic for you so far. Keegan Thompson, serviceable. Smiley will come in again here. I mean, lost his lone start and gave up a lot of runs. Six runs in four and two-thirds. What, what, what am I gonna? What am I doing with that starting rotation? You know, outside of Stroman and Steele, they're carrying you here. I think Tyon can be okay, especially if he's gonna be the last man up in the rotation. You just you need you need those middle guys to do something for you in the middle of that rotation. I, I don't know if you get Kyle Hendricks back if that's a huge upgrade in some cases. Maybe it is. But I don't know. In in my mind, maybe I'd rather let Drew Smiley kind of work into form. Look, it's hard to pitch a great American ballpark. I mean, it's just such a hitter's place. But, you know, we finally have a decent set of data to work with when it comes to both these teams. I mean, now we're starting to talk about 10 games and we say, okay, all right. Throw out a couple of bad games here or there, and you get a decent idea of where we're going. I have a little bit more faith in the Cubs with the pitching rotation to kind of get some things figured out, especially in the power department versus the White Sox, where I'm, I'm more concerned about the pitching right now, concerned about the bullpen. They can put runs up, and they might have to do that in order to cover for some of the you know, bullpen and some of the starting pitching deficiencies that they have had. I guess it comes down to, do I feel more confident that the Cubs hitters can start to figure it out? Or do I feel more confident that the White Sox pitching staff uh, can be more consistent? What, what do you think? And don't forget the White Sox have Lucas Giolito, who I love his talent, but you just never know which Lucas Giolito you're going to get. And we go a long way to solving some problems if he would just find some consistency. I can't take these, hey, I threw for 10 strikeouts last time out, and then I came out and gave up like eight runs in four and a third innings. That's what I'm getting there. I I need that happy medium at one point out of him. Otherwise, I think the White Sox are in a lot of trouble. We're going to take another break here. We'll come back. We'll wrap up. Things we missed and more next here on... Hey, welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Want to uh, thank you guys for listening as always today. Um, we've got things we might have missed. First off, uh, it was uh, great to see Purdue get himself uh, a nice little portal commitment today, Malik Langham. He's going to come on over from Vanderbilt. He started at Florida. Spent the last four years for the Commodores. 6'5", 308, edge guy. 6'5", 308. 
Played all 12 games last year. Started eight. Lost the starting shot towards the end of the season, says Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. 13 tackles, half a tackle for a loss. Nashville guy. Had offers from Northwestern, Western Kentucky, UConn. That's a big body. So that's happening. Um, I couldn't help but laugh yesterday as news broke that Odell Beckham is going to do a one-year deal with the Ravens. $18 million. We sure? Are we sure? Golly, that seems like a bad idea. I know one of the things they're doing here is they're trying to appease Lamar Jackson so that dude stays. But $18 million? Get out of town. You're crazy. His last three years... That he's played. 2021, because remember the injury. So 2021, eight games, 27 catches, 305 yards, five touchdowns. That's the second. That's when he was the Rams. When he's out there in Cleveland, languished, 17 catches, no touchdowns, 232 yards. So 500 yards there in 2021. In 2020, 319 yards, three touchdowns. In 2019, four touchdowns, had 133 targets, caught it 74 times, and made it over 1,000 yards. I Look, last two seasons, this guy has had what? Like the, the last two seasons that he's played, and he's had the injuries. Talking like 800 yards? I don't know. Does that I mean does that sound like 18 million dollar money to you? We'll see. I'm not look. I hope they overpay Lamar. As a Steelers fan, I hope they overpay Lamar. Do you know what his record is against my ball club? It's laughable. He's got more INTs than touchdowns. Give it to me. Feed it to me. $19 million on a one-year deal? I don't know. It seems a bit much. But it just goes to show you they're all in on this year. Try to have Lamar come back, and if he doesn't want to sign the franchise tag next year, they'll move on. That's just that's way too much money in that situation. Sorry. I, I don't hate that they sign the guy. But one year's for $18 million just didn't play all last year. How many other places has he visited? And they're, they've they done the physicals and been like, mm, no, mm, no. Now you're doing this just to make Lamar stay? I don't know if that's a smart move. But if there's anybody that are the kings of overpaying somebody based on, you know, a reputation or one year, it's it's definitely. It is definitely. The Baltimore Ravens. That's going to do it for us here. Uh, Sox 4-3 right now. They're in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, so uh, best of luck to the White Sox. We'll talk about that tomorrow. 
Uh, plenty of stuff here that we'll have to uh, discuss. More local sports for you on your Tuesday. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Make sure you go check us out on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, at The Hammer Sports. Give us the follow, and we'll see you back here again tomorrow at 3 on 101.7.